You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls? Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in and be a part of the show, it's very easy. Just call 608-501-0718. Leave a message. We'll talk about it. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We do not have any new callers, so we're just going to get it started with where we left off yesterday. Our buddy, affectionately known as a Green Bay fan. And this is Ryan again. Just to talk about Mike Florio. Let's do that. Um, He knows he has a big platform and that he can essentially speak things into existence somewhat. And obviously him hating the Packers, he is trying to drum this up where people will read his column and then just keep parroting Stupid oh, yeah, dog. yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, the Packers, uh, you know, they got to get moving. It's on them, it's on them. And, yeah, he's just a real, he's a real twat. Uh, I don't know if I can say that on the podcast, but he's, he's just, he stinks. He you stinks, know what I mean? there you go. And, uh, yeah, it, it's not going to work, though. He needs to realize that his Vikings are just never going to be anything, and he's going to have to get used to the Packers owning them for, you know, another, what do we got, 10, 12 years of Jordan Love, maybe more. So uh, that's the other thing. Don't listen to Mike Florio. Aaron Rodgers was definitely right about that. Yeah, and not only is he a Packers hater, understandably so as a Vikings fan, I'd hate the Packers too if I had to watch all the misery that we've been through, they've been through with us. But we beat you a bunch of times. Yeah, as you sit at home and watch us in the playoffs. Except this last year when you frauds uh, got embarrassed. That was funny. But not only that, he has a specific vendetta against Aaron Rodgers because he ran his mouth and then Rodgers put him in his stupid little place. And um, he's, yeah, he's bitter. But man, I was just, I was just listening to Florio say something and it was really stupid and I could not remember for the life of me what he said. And I don't even know if this is what you're referring to, but you know, Pat McAfee, not to get back on that train, but this guy has a terrible habit of, and I've said this before, he's a ridiculously terrible listener. But I almost feel like they're doing it on purpose because I know Pat McAfee's not doing these headlines on on Twitter. In other words, the, the captions. Um, but it's like you read the caption, and then if you just listen to the video that is posted in the caption, that's not what's being said. But anyways, this is uh, Florio. And, and in this case, Florio does say it, but he doesn't really say it. This is the same garbage speculation that we heard a long time ago because, and I've said this a billion times, which is really crazy about Florio because he's supposed to be like this brilliant lawyer. And again, he either is just trying to be somewhat of a wordsmith where he twists things around to make it seem like something is a certain way, but if that's the case, he's really bad at that too. Or he's just really bad at figuring stuff out, like just basic thinking stuff. Uh, I was going to save this for the podcast, but we'll just do it now since you brought it up. Here is... uh, Uh, Mr. Pro Football Talk on the Pat McAfee show explaining that the Packers have backed off of the 13th pick. In other words, they've backed down. They've given up ground. Hey, 
I've been taking it on the shins because oh, I. Oh, shut up! Think I don't need to listen to you. Fort this guy blabs for so long. Blah 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 blah. Halfway through the video, here we go. Matt, the key this week was when Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers, said we're not necessarily going to get a first-round pick. Not what he said. First of all, we're not necessarily going to get a first-round pick. Is not what he said. He was asked, do you have to have a first-round pick? Because that's what's being assumed, is that he would not be willing to do anything but a first-round pick, and he basically said that's not true. Now, what Florio is doing is he's taking that and saying, well, it was true, and he said in this press conference that, that it's not true anymore, which means we learned that they backed off of that. No, it means you were an idiot then, and you're an idiot now. That, to me, was a major concession, acknowledging nope. they're no longer demanding 13 overall in 2023. They, they never, he's telling you they never were. He's saying it doesn't necessarily have to be that. But he also implied in, in what he said that they're still looking for that level of compensation. In other words, it doesn't necessarily have to be 13. And by the way, when he says necessarily have to be, that means they're still interested in 13. But if they don't want to give up specifically 13, we could do something else that is of equal or greater value. That's all that he said. But this dum-dum makes it sound like the Packers have backed down. They thought they were getting 13, and now they're backing down. I think they're going to get second-round pick from the Jets this year. Second round pick next year that can become a first round pick depending upon what the Jets do with Aaron Rodgers this year. Huh? And on the back end, possibility that the Jets get something back from the Packers if he only plays one year. So again, and then he lays out compensation that is similar to, I mean, that is a first round pick compensation. It might not be quite 13, especially with the give back, although it is a conditional second, which means it's higher than just a second because it's at, at a minimum a second. So how that all would work out, I don't know. But again, trying to make this sound like the Packers are losing ground, they've given up some big concession, never was said. But Florio says, now we know, because we knew before they wanted to pick 13 and we're not going to move off that. And now he says, we're not necessarily going to get that. No, neither of those things are true. And we know that they're not true because he told us it wasn't true. He told us that they were not stubborn on 13, and he never said, I don't think we're going to get 13. You just have selective hearing because you're biased. And then Pat McAfee just eats it up. He loves it so much because he just wants this to be one kind of way. There's another clip of him talking to Ian. Ian basically talks about how they're going to get first round value. And then he writes some caption about how they're not going to get a first round pick or something like it. It's just, he's so, I mean, Pat McAfee has become, he's becoming Mike Florio. He's, he's gotten beat up so bad by Packer fans that he's become bitter and he's so dug in that he writes, the Packers have backed away from wanting the Jets' 13th overall pick in the 2023 draft. Pro Football Talk dives into what the trade compensation could be for Aaron Rodgers. That didn't happen. Now, granted, Florio kind of alluded to that, but he's wrong because he's dumb and you didn't pick up on that. And of course, you're not going to challenge him because you tend to agree with that and want that to be true. And, and you know what? He's probably right. It, the compensation probably is going to be something like that. And they're going to be doing backflips. Ha! The Packers back down off of 13. It's like, you stupid idiot. They wanted a first-round pick. They got a first-round pick. I hate to tell you, but a, a, well, a second and a conditional second, I think is what he said. Did I say first before? A second and a conditional second is a first-round pick. I think it's uh, just two. the two seconds ended up being like pick 17. But again, that's the floor. So, I mean, even, 
even the people in this arena are kind of conceding the Packers will get the value of a first-round pick in some way, shape, or form. Whether that's 13, a little more, a little less, I don't know. I'm sure everyone will be crunching their own biased math, trying to figure out how to make it seem like they got more, got less. But yeah, Florio is... uh, He's ridiculous. But again, it's just it's just he hears what he wants to hear. He listened to Brian Gutekunst, and he started hearing things that didn't get said. He misquoted Brian Gutekunst and misread it to mean something shockingly, something that he liked to hear, which is that the Packers have conceded 13 overall. No, they didn't. In fact, I hope they get 13. Even if we could have got, let's say they're offering like the two seconds and more, and it would have ended up being more. At this point, I just want it to be 13, just so Florio looks like a freaking idiot. Again, I don't think that's going to happen, but I would like it to, just for that reason. And Pat McAfee, man, I mean, he he just keeps digging a hole. I mean, it's one thing if, if you have guests on that are giving you actual information that support what you think, but he doesn't even have that. I mean, Mike Florio does do that because he's a biased jerk-off, but anybody with two brain cells that can be rubbed together can listen to this and say, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what was said. At all. And then again with Ian. He just makes things up about what Ian said, and he didn't even... That, he has Ian on all the time, and Ian never supports what he wants him to say, but he's such a pushover that McAfee just starts narrating this fake thing that's being said that's not being said, and Ian's like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, whatever you say, Pat, yeah. please keep inviting me on. I want to sit at the cool kids' table. So McAfee's just doing this big celebratory thing. Ha ah, ha, I was right. The Packers don't have any leverage. They're not going to get any picks. <laughs> Everybody supports me. It's weird because it's like he lives in a bubble, but the bubble's in his brain. Because people are actually telling him reality, but he's just not hearing it. It's such a weird thing. One final little point to piggyback sure. uh, from Ryan here. I got to say the one thing everyone talks about is, well, Aaron Rodgers, he might only play one year. He might only play one year. He plans on playing two years. He Absolutely. Might. Yeah. He, and he probably has two more pretty damn good years in him. You know, they could be even great years. It's possible. He keeps in great shape. He's, you know, always doing something with his health. So when they say, oh, he might only play one year, that's, that's a fallacy. He's going to play two more years unless yeah. something catastrophic happens. If the Jets say won 11 games this next year with Rodgers, and they didn't win the division, but they made the playoffs. Even if they didn't win a game in the playoffs, if they did, that would you know strengthen his case. But let's say they lose in the first round of the playoffs. Let's close game, and the Jets looked like they were gaining some steam, maybe just a couple pieces away. Aaron Rodgers would be happy to come back, and maybe we have to facilitate that into the trade, there has to be something like, oh, if he does come back a second year, then 2025, you get a pick there. There might be a conditional aspect to this. But right now, I mean, Aaron Rodgers playing two more years. That's the plan from him. And he wants to up these records. And, of course, he obviously wants a, another Super Bowl more than anything. But he wants to, to get those records a little bit higher and, and, uh, you know, be better than Tom Brady in some people's minds from not a winning standpoint, but just being better overall. And he can strengthen that with two more really good years. So, yep, that's the final point. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, first of all, from the standpoint of I think the Jets 
wanted assurances from Rodgers that he would play for two years. Whether or not they got that, I don't know. But every every team would want that based on the amount of the the amount they're going to have to pay. Again, you're you're paying for two years of Rodgers minimum, right? If you look at the full amount, I mean, depending on how much you think he's worth, two to three years worth you're paying for. Now, whether or not you want to pay that in one year, I guess is is kind of weird, but um, that's kind of the other thing too, is what if this is, what if we are just assuming wrongly and the plan is for two years and the Packers and Jets both know that? How does that change things? What is what is Rodgers worth at that point? Now that the contract doesn't seem as ridiculous. And the less ridiculous the contract is, the more favorable the contract is, the more compensation I would expect from the Jets to the Packers. And again, that is where conditionals would come in because I, I don't know why there wouldn't be conditionals, to be honest. The Packers should be willing to do it and the Jets should be willing to do it. Because uh, basically what you're saying is, I want compensation based on him being there for two years. But if he's not, then then whatever. But you're not going to get two years worth of Rodgers play compensation if he's only going to be there for one year. And the compensation is is drastically different. And and by the way, it's a minimum. For all we know, Rodgers continues to play for 10 years. I mean, entirely unlikely considering he wanted to retire this year. But I'm just saying, he gets a... The, the point is, though, they have his contract. And they can try to figure out how to convince him to play football and get reinvigorated and all that kind of stuff. Who knows? But they have him. They have his contract. And yeah, I do think how the, the season pans out plays a big part of that. I mean, if, if they get to the AFC Championship game, I think there's a very good chance he wants to come back. If they win the Super Bowl, I think he'd probably want to ride off. If they miss the playoffs, I think he, there's a good chance he's going to retire. Which again is why it would be a good idea to have some conditionals. But yeah, I, I do think that's an underappreciated position. especially you know, By me in particular, I know. I, I very rarely even consider that. But you're right. I think there is a situation in which Rodgers does want to go on to prove something. And if he feels that he can stay there and continue to win. And here's the other thing. They own his contract, right? What if Rodgers wants to play, but just not for the Jets? The Jets can recoup some of that value and trade him away. So they can get a year out of him and then trade him to, oh, I don't know, the Vikings or something. And recoup a good a portion of the value that you got. Because his contract's going to be much more palatable to the Vikings. So they'd be willing to give up more compensation. So the point is, there's still value there in just owning his contract. So yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of in, intri- intricacies to this situation, that's for sure, and it makes sense why, um, you know, again, if you're coming from Brian Gutekunst's standpoint, it's, no, I don't want compensation for just one year. You own his contract. I'm not going to have you pay for one year, and then he ends up staying for two, three, four years, and I got completely railroaded. That ain't right. So my starting position is he's going to be there for the duration. I'm giving you this contract. He'll be there for the duration of the contract. And of course, the Jets come back with, well, that's absurd. We're not paying you for the duration of the contract for a guy that said he wanted to retire. And you kind of work it out from there, I suppose. And again, for that reason, it would be surprising if there weren't conditionals. And And you can basically see what the value is based on what the conditionals are, you know? I mean, just strip away him coming back, and you can see what they traded him for for one year. And then you can see what the value is if he plays for two years. I mean, they're split up specifically that way. Hey, Ryan. It's Travis from Virginia. Uh, I was just calling in with a quick note. Uh, I was just surfing through YouTube, and I saw uh, Christian Watson did a quick phone interview with uh, Rich Eisen on yeah. his show. Um, I won't go over the whole thing. Um, it was just like, you know, under 10 minutes, like six, seven, maybe. Um, but 
<clears throat> one very cool note that I did not realize. I had, you know, hoped it was occurring, but he mentioned that uh, <clears throat> he had been working with Jordan Love and some of the other younger guys uh, throughout the later portion of the season. He said, uh, actually, they were meeting weekly. Right. Because um, Rich Eisen had just kind of was poking him all about Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers trying to get, you know, both sides of what was and what's to come. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he was just saying how he had been meeting with the younger guys weekly uh, with Jordan Love, you know, leading the helm there and, uh, you know, outside of his work with 12 and that they had had a big push with the younger guys early in the season. And, you know, I guess that's where Jordan Love picked it up for the later half. So just thought that was a really cool note in addition to the stuff that we're uh, seeing and hearing this off season. Uh, I know the footage just came out today with Aaron Jones catching passes from Jordan Love. So just uh, very exciting stuff in the midst of all the drama that's going on. So go Pack Go. Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly what I like about the situation that we're in now. Jordan Love just has that mentality, you know. Um, this this sort of future core of guys that are, you know, passionate and want to just put in the extra work, you know, Romeo Dobbs again doing the hands work after, after practice and everything else. Um, they're not just starting that. They've been doing that. Because, again, this is the mentality that they have. It's not now we have that mentality now that Jordan Love runs the ship. No, it's this This is how they've been the whole time. And, um, you know, again, I mean, it, it should have been Rodgers doing that, but it doesn't matter because that's not the situation now. And, and this is just what I want. This is what I want. This is what I think should be happening. Um, this is what I want from the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers is, is to kind of be – very uh, intertwined with his receivers and, and for all of them to make sure that they're on the same page and, and working through stuff together. And that's not just in the meeting rooms, that's afterward and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I did see that. Haven't gone over it on the podcast yet, but um, that was a very cool little note there. And it's just exciting to to hear that, again, they're, they're all just excited to get started and to grow together and work together. And um, hopefully that will materialize into you know, the next great phase in Green Bay Packers history. Hey, Ryan. I just <clears throat> just listened to your, uh, the episode where we talked a little bit about Jake Paul hanging out with Aaron Rodgers. And what I took away from that whole thing is uh, Romeo Dobbs should have asked Aaron to go go to Mayawasa, yeah. not to come over and play some video games. Yeah, I guess if you're smoking ayahuasca, it's cool to hang out with a 25 or 26 year old. But if they're one of your wide receivers that you want to form a relationship with, then hell no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just that's that. It's in in my opinion, that's just a slam dunk. I, I don't see any way to work around that. The idea that it's so absurd to hang out with your young wide receivers in season, but yet you know. You can hang out with, like, the most immature D-bag <laughs> on planet Earth because you share an affinity for drug use. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it just it just tells me that that was all BS. The idea, oh, I, I, I'm hanging out with young guys. Oh, it's so stupid. No, it's not stupid. You just don't want to hang out with those young guys. The exact young guys you should be trying to hang out with, right? So, cool. 
Hey, Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, I just wanted to chime in a little bit here uh, about about our, our favorite alcohols. Personally, I myself am a bourbon drinker. Okay. Uh, like, don't even get it in my mouth if it's not Maker's Mark or better. Um, and I generally don't drink. I'm like a once-a-month drinker, right? Um, but I can pound it back, which is why I only drink about once a month. Because my Irish, Scottish, and Polish blood and whatever else is in me, Russian and whatnot, is is dangerous because I could drink a lot. But, uh, you know, I'm hearing a homeboy, I forget his name, talk about moonshine. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I love some moonshine. Moonshine is great. I can drink a lot of moonshine. Again, it don't get me mad. If anything, it puts me to sleep. But I, I know the most dangerous drink on the planet. It is the most dangerous drink on the planet because if you were to drink it and I were not to tell you there was alcohol in it, you would have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to get ready. Uh, my dad and I worked in a rebar. We used to get ready for trout season and at about five o'clock in the morning, we'd wake up and go to his, uh, the owner of the rebar yards, uh, which we called the house because he lived, his property had a river on the back of it and, and that river, they wouldn't stop trout. And so first, first, you know, day of the season, we go out there and we'd all, you know, eat breakfast and whatnot, get get together, and we go trout fishing. Well, there's this big, big African American man by the name of Darnell. Yeah, it's funny because Darnell Washington. But anyway, this man <laughs> named Darnell always showed up on a Harley, and in his saddlebags was damn near every alcohol known to man. Okay, and you get a five gallon jug, and you fill it with Minute Maid fruit punch. Uh, vodka, gin, uh, Everclear, some other things, uh, peach schnapps, th- things that I don't even know. And you put some grapefruit in there, some lime, some apples. It was like a, uh, a fruit punch sangria deal going on. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I don't even know, but it's not wine. Anyway. And then he'd fill this five gallon jug up and everybody was allowed access to it. So, you know, you drink one and you're like, oh man, what, where's the alcohol? Yeah. And you realize you're just drinking fruit punch. And you drink one, you're like, I'm going to go for a second. And then halfway through that second, you're like, when did the floor get so close to me? <laughs> Why can't I get off of it? <laughs> and my dad, my dad doesn't drink, but my dad would always have to drive home and I would be passed out. I would <laughs> never make it down the river because I'd have that one drink. And anybody else who had that drink, we'd be gone. God, you would, you would, we would just be hanging out by the fire pit. That's it. Um, we'll get to part two here, but um, yeah, I mean that that sounds a lot like apple pie. I was just remembering we used to have this. Uh, it was like cherry Pepsi, I think it was in college. I don't even know what it was. It had to have been cherry something and like actual cherry Pepsi or whatever. But it, I mean, it just tastes like cherry Pepsi. We'd always take that to the Whitewater football games. But there's that, and then there's uh, WAP, and I I'm not sure. I mean, there, there was certain ways, and I think there's all different kinds of names, but I'm pretty sure WAP is basically just whatever you can find you mix it together in fact there's some urban legend about just throwing like empties into a garbage bag kind of thing but i know there was the one thing we would make what do we call fruit punch maybe i don't know i i can't really remember man college was a long time ago but it was like a 30 pack of beer a bottle of everclear and then i think it was you get like the frozen um minute made things oh i should ask blaine what was that drink we made before i don't know there was something else that was pretty crazy he would know. If you're listening, call in, let me know. Text me or something. 
But yeah, that that one you could definitely tell, and it didn't taste super good. I think it was the beer. I mean, you can't really mask that as well, but it definitely hits you because it's it's fruity and there's Everclear. I mean, you put Everclear in anything, it'll it'll kill you. Quite literally, I'm I'm pretty sure I almost died once because of Everclear. But I was taking shots of Everclear, so that's just you got to understand, man. I, I I was on a different. There's like people that drink. Well, there's people that don't like you. No offense, you know, you have a cup of something and you can't walk to a river. There's people that do. Then there's Wisconsinites. Then there's Wisconsinites that drink. And then there was me in college. We were driving out to Madison to go party with people, and I was taking shots of Everclear on the way up there. And then we would like tell people, "Oh, we got this rush," because it wasn't like actually labeled Everclear. It was, it was uh, grain alcohol, but it had some Russian name. We're like, "Oh, it's just it's just vodka. Like, just take one shot." So I would take a shot, and then you hand them a shot, and they were like, "They take a little bit because they didn't want because they had to study." Oh yeah, Madison's not a party college. All they do is study. They're a bunch of nerds. Anybody that says it's a big party college is lying. But then they take a shot at Everclear thinking it's vodka and just would flail on the ground. It was funny. But anyways, yeah, at the conclusion of that day, I, uh, there's a video of it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I was near dead. There's a video of them checking my pulse on the ground because I would not get up. But anyways, those are my college days. Why don't we go on to part number two? This is Jersey Mike again. I'm depressed. I'm I don't sorry. know where that voicemail got cut off at. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> I got the recipe somewhere for this ridiculous fruit punch. Um, it will knock you on your butt. You will not know that you're drinking it. And it's a really good prank to play on your friends. The only thing is, you have to be aware enough to not get your friends screwed up. You cannot allow them to have more than one drink. Because when I'm telling you, this is, I mean, this is basically 95% <laughs> alcohol and 5% juice. But it tastes like 100% juice and 0% alcohol. I'm going to look for this this recipe. I'm going to try to find it. If I do find it, I'll let y'all know, and I'll, 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 I'll post it. Maybe okay. I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't tell anybody. I don't want to just start a generation of alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, just... yeah. Bourbon <laughs> yeah. and that fruit punch stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's the top of the list. Anyway, go pack go. You're going to start a TikTok trend, and then kids are going to start dying, and that's going to be your fault. So, yeah, maybe don't. But, um, yeah, as far as bourbon, I, I I honestly am not even sure how that all works. I had to look it up. I know it's whiskey in some kind of form or fashion, and that was always definitely my drink. I looked it up, and apparently wild turkey is is bourbon. So I guess I have had bourbon. I don't really know the difference between bourbon and whiskey, but I know bourbon is a type of whiskey, but I don't understand the difference. It doesn't matter. But, anyways, yeah, that was that was kind of my thing, too. Jack and Coke was kind of my go-to until I got into my heavier alcoholic days, and then it just became Jack and Water, or or it wasn't Jack. I couldn't afford Jack. It was just whatever rail whiskey I could get, and it was about 50-50 whiskey and water. Actually tastes pretty good. It's got a sweetness to it. The water just kind of kills the sharpness of the alcohol, which honestly, the biggest reason I did that was number one, to kind of slow it down so I didn't black out after an hour, and number two, so I didn't get too bad of heartburn, kind of watered it down a little bit. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, I got, I got, I got freaking stories for days that's just scratching the surface ladies and gentlemen hey ryan daniel from california hey it's kind of weird uh we uh kind of having a mini purge again like was that 2019 or 2018 off season whatever year that was but it's just so weird because it's kind of the roger purge roger's purge now and you you got all these guys that are embedded in that culture and it's just so weird because it's a lot of Packer obsessive guys. Like the Packers were obsessed with Dean Lowry when he was just, you know, he's a C level player and just, you know, steady guy. He's not going to, you know, 
totally rock your world, but he's out here and saying bad things about the front office too, and it's just like what? You know, we never, you know, it's like you're like I, it's just weird, right? And then to clarify, he he later came back and said, just for the record, I wasn't saying anything bad about the front office. You misunderstood that. It sounded like he was because he said he made some kind of comment about it's good to have somebody. In, that's a GM that does this or that or whatever, and then I don't know somebody I th- probably Florio retweeted it or whatever, and then he commented on it. I was like, I just so you know, I have nothing but respect for the Packers organization. I wasn't saying anything bad about them, so just so we're clear. You got Lazard now saying things about this, and he's just uh, you know again a CG level starter. Just, yeah, just you know he's a guy, and it's just. We're going through a purge. Mason Crosby, you know, we all we all love Mason. Mason hasn't said anything bad, but Mason's probably not coming back. But it's just that old culture, and hopefully we get guys that are grinders. Yeah. I just I want I want a hundred Rashawn Garys and a hundred Jordan Loves that are just on their own time. They're throwing balls. They're hitting bags. That's all. That's what I want. It looks like we're doing it. I want that culture in Green Bay. I want the guys that are willing to work, the guys that don't get offended when a contract negotiation is going on. Perfect example, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is a great guy. He wants to be back. He wants to put in the work. He's in Bakersfield right now catching passes. That's what I love to see. So hopefully we keep the purge going and we hear more uh, sour patch kids crying about how they were treated by the front office because – It is interesting how we can look at what Aaron Jones did and see that what he did is a good thing because he's a good person, but yet we're not allowed to see what other people do and say that what they did is bad, right? I I just, I I don't get what, what makes what Aaron Jones did so good if it's also good for players to throw temper tantrums and scream and fight and piss and moan on the way out. I can't quite figure that one out. What Aaron Jones did is an example of why he's such a good guy. It sounds like we're attributing some sort of actions to some form of right and wrong. It's weird that something that is the ultimate form of right, the exact opposite of that, is also considered right. It's just, it's, I, don't, I don't quite understand that. But yeah, hopefully we are moving in a different direction and look, guys get more money, they start to feel more entitled, and I'm sure a lot of the guys we're looking at now are going to piss and moan, and that's just the way it goes. But it's a cycle of life, man. you got to make the right decisions and not worry about everybody crying. And you can't worry about the fans who are upset that people are crying. Oh, you did something wrong because they're mad. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't care. They needed to go. Can we just acknowledge that it was time for them to go? We're still debating Jordy. Really? I thought we all agreed that that was the right thing to do. But apparently not, because we found new reasons to hate Brian Gutekunst to bring that back up and hope that everybody forgot that that was obviously the right decision. Okay. Actually, why don't we take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, 
and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, let's try that again. Jersey Mike, what's up? It's Jersey Mike again. Um, Brian, way to call me out for not inviting you out. I, t- I told you, though, I'm not in Jersey anymore. I might be from Jersey. Oh, okay. That might be my soul. That's man, my bad. I'm in Texas. That's my bad. Um, I had to move away from that incessant, or sorry, not the, the, the incestuous scum oh. pit that is New York and New Jersey. Um, I, I I had to get out. I get it. But I'll be I'll be real. If you ever want to come down to Texas, I do. You ever want to get some good food in in uh, Austin? Yeah. We got some really good restaurants. All right. Uh, there's two. If you want to salivate profusely. Yes, I do. Um, the my favorite restaurant by far here is a place called Jack Allen's Kitchen. Um, they've got some pork tenderloin medallions that'll rock. That'll rock you, man. I mean, they'll they'll they'll, they'll just throw you they'll throw you through a loop. You're gonna want two or three plates of it. I, I, I do every time I go there. Okay. And then I don't know how you feel about seafood, yeah. but there's this place called Papado. Papa what? It's it's like a Cajun Cajun seafood restaurant. Oh my, oh, it's, it's so good. And then if you want to get filthy, there's a Brazilian steakhouse. Oh, yeah. I forget the name of That's it. That's what I do. It's like $60 a plate. Yeah, no, but I hey, get it. You want to come down here, I'll, I'll get a $60 a plate because my wife ain't going to go with me. She don't want to eat anything there. And I'm the only person that I know who wants to spend $60 on meats getting slapped on my plate. Yep. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, hey, if, if there's ever a game, though, a Packers game in, in Jersey, like, I was going to go to the Giants game until they freaking put it in London. Oh, it was such a plan. Anyway, um, if, if there's ever a Packers game in New York or New Jersey, I'm, I'm down to go. I'm down to go. I'll meet you there. I'll, I'll take you through a, uh, you know, I'll take you for, for a tour of, like, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, all the best eating places. Uh, if you want to do that, I would. Re- I mean, we can go to the pizzerias in Jersey, but honestly, there, there ain't much fun to do in New Jersey besides that. Yeah. Um. There, anyway, you let me know if you if if you want to come to Austin, Texas. Let me know. Will there there's some fun things to do around here. I don't know if you like fishing or anything like that, but my buddy's got a boat. We can go uh, onto a few of the lakes around here. You 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 just let me know what you're fixing for, you know. Mm-hmm. I got what, it. what you looking for? What's going to scratch that itch? But uh, anyway, thanks for calling me out. Go back <laughs> yeah, I think it's Fogo to Show is the one over by you. Um, that's the one that I haven't been to. There's one in Chicago also. I've been to of the bigger named Brazilian steakhouse that I know of. Um, I've been to I think three different kinds. I've been to three Brazilian steakhouses, all three different kinds. 
but uh, Fogo is the one that I have not been to. Um, I see you have a Casa do Brazil, which is, I think we have one out here that's Casa de Brazil. Uh, there's a couple of them out in your direction, so it might not be the one you're talking about. But anyways, um, that seems to be the most, the fanciest one of the bunch. And it's, I'm guessing that's like a real, because it's, again, it's like in the city by you. And then there's one like in Chicago. So considering they only seem to pop up in big cities, I'm guessing this is a premium Brazilian steakhouse. They all are premium, let's be honest. I'll tell you what, man, I went to, the first time I've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, I ate. I maxed out on meat just out of control, right? I woke up the next day. I've never felt so good in my life. And all I could think was, my body needed that. Like, I was intoxicated on protein. Maybe I was deficient. I have no idea. But, like, I just just felt, I I haven't felt that good in, in, I can't tell you how long. I wasn't, like, groggy the next day. I didn't get groggy throughout the day. I felt so good. Maybe they just got magic meat out there. I don't know. Hey, Ryan, Dennis from California. Hey. I, I heard Bukowski talk about the Falcons versus the Packers in the playoffs in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I just went back and watched it. And it just, you know what it looked like? It looked like, uh, kind of like what, uh, Jordan Love looked like on oh the Bulls game. Oh, here we go. Obviously. Oh, boy. You know. By the way, I love you, Daniel from California. This is this is what Matt LaFleur meant when he said we need to maybe uh, lower our expectations a little bit because you're getting my expectations up a little bit too high. I don't think he was trying to say lower your expectations because this guy's actually trash. Trust me, I've seen him in practice. I just think he means like don't expect 2010 Aaron Rodgers against the Falcons' greatest performance I've ever seen in my life thing. That was a perfect Aaron Rodgers team, but it's just, you know, you, people run the route, you throw the ball, there's no trying to get more out of it, trying right. to squeeze every ounce out of it. I get what you mean. The offense. Yep. And uh, just looking at that game, we haven't seen that Aaron Rodgers since probably 2012. 2013, 14, we started getting the cerebral offense with Jordy Nelson, but man, go back and watch that game, playing within rhythm, within yeah. the offense, and going through all the stuff. You know, just, all right, here's the play, throw it on a slant. But, you know, obviously he made the plays he needed to get out the pocket. Yep. But just, like, on the drop back and throw it, he was just throwing it. So I'm excited. I hope, I, I think Jordan Love can do that. We saw he has those skills. It's just figuring out what to do, like all the things that were happening in the Chiefs game. Really, it's a perfect dichotomy, all those challenges. He didn't really have solutions, and yeah, you know, sadly, Matt Lafleur didn't have solutions. So hopefully, they can go and uh, work together, build up Jordan, patch up the Lafleur scheme. You know, I think a lot of that is Aaron Rodgers related, but that's for another day. But he's really excited, you know, and really appreciative for Rodgers after watching that. That was a that was one of the best games I I went back and. I watched the clips of just all the offense series, and it was, that's, a, that's an amazing game. But those are my thoughts. Go back, go. Yeah, we had some good times, man. I, it's almost better to not go back because then I am going to start getting my hopes up, you know, because things have been kind of rocky for a while now. Even though 2020 was kind of good, there's still, like, 
so much like how embarrassing special teams is you know or even 2019 where it's like kind of up and down offense and defense was up and down they just happened to be like when one was down one was way up enough to actually win the game and we ended up getting 13 wins out of that but you very rarely ever saw like the offense defense special teams do a good job it just didn't happen and the defense was better than the offense in 2019 and then 2020 you got the mvp and you know on and on and on i don't want to go back and actually see pure dominance <laughs> i'm not ready for that but no man it's been uh it's been good times for sure hey Ryan, this is Dakota, that nerd in Tennessee. Um, this is going to be kind of a scatterbrained call because I don't really have a plan. Okay. Uh, I just heard you say on uh, the most recent Packernet After Dark that you had some standing uh, invitations. One was with uh, Steve in Alaska. In Alaska, one was Jersey Mike in New York, I think. I don't know. I don't know. You said something about New York. And then... Um, yeah, the other one that you couldn't remember, Memphis, man. Come to Memphis. It's cool for a few days. Yeah. Then go back, you know, to where you don't want to live forever. <laughs> or where you do want to live forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's I where get you it. go back to, where you do want to live forever. Uh, but um, so I've been speaking with Clayton about the defense. So I'm all defensive-minded now. Um, and I just went through Sam Holman's uh, – thread that he did at this point, I don't know, 12 hours ago on Twitter, but he, he kind of went over Matt, LaFle- Matt LaFleur's comments on defense, and uh, he got me excited about the the Greg Williams hiring because uh, of the, the communication that that needed to be stepped up on uh, for the DBs, yeah. and apparently Williams's or Greg's Communication plan was pretty phenomenal. Uh, yeah, so, and I'm kind of working on communication in my work. I've always been told I communicate too much, and then we get new management, and now I've got to step it up. So <laughs> that's what I hope the Packers do. I hope they step it up. Uh, but something I saw that I didn't really pay much attention to, and I heard a couple times previously, but apparently there was some dispute. I mean, not, not a known one, but there were disagreements between Joe Barry and Jerry Gray. Um, did I miss something in season? I mean, I, I was kind of busy. Again, new management at work. Crazy crap happening. I was kind of busy a lot of the time, so I was just barely able to catch the games. But uh, was there something between, you know, Gray and, 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 and Barry and how they, you know, disagreed with each other? I don't know. I was kind of curious. Anyway, remember, standing Invitation, Memphis, Tennessee. All right, we'll add Memphis to the list. Okay, go. Um, so we got Memphis, New York, Alaska, and now Texas with Jersey Mike. Um, I don't know anything about Jerry Gray and Joe Barry. Um, I didn't hear anything about that, didn't notice anything about that. I feel like I would have remembered that as much as I'm not great at remembering stuff. Uh, I feel like big things like that I would remember, but I don't know. I also don't have a ton of insights on uh, Greg Williams. I know we talked about him when he was hired. Um, certainly want to get excited about any new coaches that come in and hope that they can do somewhat of a better job. Young guy, hopefully he kind of meshes well with some of the younger guys that we have. I know that he has uh, overlap with Joe Barry, which I don't think Jerry Gray did. Maybe he did, but um, I'm guessing this is somewhat of a hand-picked Joe Barry thing because he worked with him. He also worked with Rich Bisaccia, so uh, a lot of familiarity there. 
which I always get nervous when there's familiarity because it's like, does that make him the best? But at the same time, there's going to be a higher floor there as opposed to a complete unknown. But yeah, we'll see. And and honestly, we really won't see because how are we going to know how good of a job they're doing coaching? Even if I was standing in the building, I wouldn't know how good of a job he was doing coaching. But hopefully it's a good thing. What's up, Ryan? This is Austin calling out of Georgia again. What up? Um, it's kind of a random question. Hopefully I don't annoy you with how many questions I'm going to keep asking. But anyways, um, so two of my best friends, um, one is a Titan fan and one is a Cowboys fan. Okay. And, um, you know, the others are Falcons fans. And I've had this debate with them about what um, is harder to be a fan of and what that is is would you say it's harder to be a fan of a team that sucks all the time and you have no expectations? Or do you think it's harder to be a fan of a team that's good all the time and you have expectations every year and they never win a Super Bowl? Because my argument always was, they would always say, I would love to be in your shoes and be a Packers fan. And I'm like, yeah, it's fun. But I tell you what, there's times where it's it's extremely stressful, and I'll never sit here and say I'd rather be a fan of a team that sucks all the time. I'm not going to say that. But as far as emotions go, I would like to think it's harder to be a fan emotionally as a team that's good all the time and comes up short every time, and you never get. I mean, sure they won Super Bowl in 2010, but for 12 whole years. It's been they're good every year, and then they come up empty and they have nothing to show for it. Over a team that sucks all the time, you have no expectations, and it is what it is. You don't get, like, super emotionally invested and go, oh, my God, we have a chance. Because, like, you know you don't. You suck. Like, for instance, like the Jets, ha-ha, they haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. So it's like they're not going to get that. I mean, sure, they're going to excite all fans do, but it's not to the extent of having Aaron Rodgers on your team or Pat Mahomes and – you know you're good every year and you come up short. But I don't know. Let me know what you think if it's worse to be a fan of a team that's good all the time and comes up short all the time or a fan of a team that sucks all the time. Thanks, man. Well, the the pain that we feel in that loss, um, that final loss of the season in the NFC Championship or whatever it is, is more painful than anything, for example, Bears fans will feel all season. But overall, the pain of being a Bears fan is far greater. Um, I mean, just try to picture, you know, the the only real excitement you have is prior to the season when you genuinely believe, and everybody's been telling you, in Chicago radio, and Chicago everything, podcasters, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, they're all telling you this is going to be different, it's going to be great, we're going to take over the North, we're going to do this and that, and Fields is going to be so good and all this stuff. And then you just lose, and you lose, and you lose, and you lose. And just not having any expectations. And, you know, you mentioned that too, or it's, you, you can't get hurt if you don't have as much expectations, but it also is painful not having expectations and just knowing your team sucks. And, you know, I, I will say the one thing that I've always hated is the fact that it got to the point where winning wasn't as much joy as it was relief. And that's not a good thing. Fans of losing teams or fans of teams that are maybe not exactly at the top can experience genuine joy when they win. And I feel like that's harder for Packer fans because the expectation is win and that kind of sucks a little bit as opposed to being the underdog and actually beating the team but I think you said it when you said that you wouldn't trade with them and I wouldn't either I would much rather be in our shoes now 
just watching winning. And, and again, like I've said a bunch of times before, all the memories that we've had over the years, not always of Super Bowl championship seasons. In fact, almost never. But man, it's been a fun ride. Aside from those painful losses, and yeah, those are painful, we've had a lot of big time painful losses, no doubt. But I'll take that. I mean, would you take that this year over a losing season? I would. Because, I mean, the, the, the expectations are relatively low, so we could have that this year. You know, if we come out and start losing right away, you kind of just drop your expectations down to zero and go, well, I guess we suck now, and you just kind of go through the motions, and hey, if we win one here and there, it's uh, cool, I guess. Although we experienced that last year when we were bad and we won games, and it's like, who cares? Probably worse that we lost anyways. That's not fun. If, as, as opposed to us getting into the playoffs, maybe even winning a game, if we got to the NFC Championship game and lost with Jordan Love, oh boy, that would be glorious. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your friend's side in that debate there, uh, Austin. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Uh, it's been a while since I called. There's uh, just been so much going on uh, in the world. Uh, time does truly fly by. Oh, good. Um, I just wanted to call in to uh, give a couple thoughts concerning uh, what LaFleur and, and Goot has said and uh, just the whole enamored event of uh, Rogers Gate. And uh, I'm just hoping that uh, we do get the picks that we can uh, build up and give the the true support that uh, Love uh, deserves. I think uh, I'm still on the, the train for getting a tight end early and getting Either Smith and Jigba, or I'm, you know, you made a really good, compelling argument about Quentin, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I just think that uh, Jigba has the it factor that maybe uh, would be that first down factor that we could really use. So uh, just as long as they they pick great, you know, playmakers for Love to uh, thrive with, um, I'm kind of over the fact of picking defensive. First rounders, they got two of them last year. I think it's time to switch back over the pendulum to uh, the offensive side and get a wide receiver, get a tight end or slot, and uh, and see uh, what Love can do with them and uh, give him every opportunity to get out of the gate quick, successfully, build up his momentum and his confidence, everything we can do uh, to give him that opportunity to do well and get that monkey off his back and to shut the media up because I am sick of the talking heads just like you were talking about uh, Colin Coward the other day. I am sick of these guys not giving him any credit for this opportunity that he's about to get. I'm just sick of it. It's so biased. Yeah. I'm over it. So I hope he takes that and uses it as uh his means of having a chip on his shoulder to go out and prove him wrong. I know that he's probably thinking level-headed, but uh, I just hope that with this NFC North, I think that there's potential they could win it. I really do. I think they could surprise everybody. Let's just maybe make this team the dark horse of the NFC this year, and let's just, just knock a bunch of heads off as we go and just surprise everybody. All right. Uh, I just need to get that off my chest. So have a great one, Ryan. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, I will say to Austin's point, it is nice everybody having such low expectations. I mean, when everybody's expectations are significantly lower than your own, it's like it's it's going to be kind of hard to go below people's expectations. I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. 
People expect the Packers to be worse than the team that's picking number one overall this year. That says a lot. <laughs> I mean, the, I guess people expect the Packers to be, if not the worst team in football, one of the worst teams in football. So, I mean, if we're not picking in the top 10, then I guess we exceeded expectations? I don't really know. But it certainly takes some pressure off, I can tell you that. But yeah, I uh, I don't know, man. I'm... I'm I, I'm not super locked into any one thing at this point, and I'm kind of torn because my, my goal is to not get super locked into where I need to have something and then get bummed out when it doesn't happen, but at the same time trying to find those people that I'm obsessed with. So I don't know why I'm trying to work against myself so hard, but we'll see where I end up. As of right now, I still don't have any massive crushes. I do like Darnell Washington, but it's... Not quite at that level as it has been in the past with some of my draft crushes. I do like him, though. Brian, it's JJ. Hey. This uh, wide receiver thing, every offseason, we get these, like, fringe roster guys like Reggie Begleton. Mm -hmm. This year, you know, people are just, like, over the moon about Bo Melton and Samori Toure. Oh, yeah. And just going on and on and on about how good they're going to be. Dude, Samori Toure was awful last year. He didn't even get to play special teams. He had, I think, zero special team snaps for the season. Uh, he had five receptions, a touchdown, and a fumble. Touchdown is why most people are freaking out. It's the same thing with... Like I said, with Geronimo Allison, he had like one big catch and everybody lost it. Like, no, dude, this guy's this guy's a freak. It's like, no, he's he's Geronimo Allison. I'm like a 50 grade. I don't know where this is coming from. Like, people keep saying, well, we got three wide receivers. No, we don't. We got two. And we don't like to talk about it, but Romeo Dobbs was pretty bad last year. He had a couple of really good games that make me very optimistic for what he can be in the future, and of course, Matt Lafleur loves him. Rogers really loved him. All right, I'm not discounting that there's something there, but you know, I think relatively disappointing rookie season for Dobbs, and then like catastrophe for Toure. I mean, I think that his goal this year should be to try and make the roster as a special teamer. That's just where I'm at. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's really tough because obviously, no matter what you think, we don't have any depth. Um, but then it's like, well, what do we need to add? Depending on what you like, if, if you really love Watson and Dobbs and like slash love Ture, well, then you don't need to go heavy early. If it's more like, well, Christian seems pretty good. We'll see how it pans out. Dobbs had a little flash, but ended up not great, and Ture's terrible and we don't have any depth, then you're looking at it saying, we got to do something, like imperative. And if there's not some big swing we can take in free agency, then we have to do something in the draft, absolutely. So it's really, it's not really a question of, do we need to go get wide receivers and tight ends? 100 billion, thousand million, jillion percent. But is it kind of like what we've done in the past, where it's like we, we get uh, three guys in the sixth round, or do we get a, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, and a fifth rounder? plus a couple free agents, you know, we'll mix in wide receivers and tight ends. We'll call it five total across wide receivers and tight ends, not including undrafted free agents. But yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a tough spot to be in because you look at it and say, well, wh why are we screwing around? Let's just go early. 
you know, even though it's not a super great wide receiver group, I know you're super big on Jackson Smith and Jigba, but let's just assume that he's not exactly on the same tier as the guys from last year. Again, let's just pretend. Do we do that? Do we go tight end? Do we go wide receiver? Do we kind of go early just because we're desperate? And then we'll also go mid and late and maybe free agent two? And then neglect the other positions? I mean, not entirely, but obviously we have other needs probably that are better off early, you know, tackles that are a better value or pass rushers or defensive tackles or whatever it is the Packers like from that group. Corners, Witherspoon. I'm sure they're going to draft Brian Branch just because that's like the one guy I really don't want him to draft. I just can't get on board with it. Or as you pointed out, Ringo, who I went back and watched, and it's like, yeah, there's no way, dude. All the way off that train. But I don't know. It's they're they're in a tough spot in in a couple different positions, and they don't have a lot to work with. But I guess do what you can to try to patch up what you can, and best of luck to you. But I'm probably slightly more optimistic than you, um, and then slightly more pessimistic than most fans. I I definitely don't really expect much from Samori Ture. I said that in the past. I mean, it's possible, but. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick. I have seventh-round expectations, and I think he produced about seventh-round expectations. Um, He did get a touchdown. That's cool for sure. But, um, you know, that's pretty much all it was. And then Dobbs, I I really do like Dobbs a lot. I like the the, the fact that he came out week one and looked good is impressive. You know, I mean, right out of the gate. And things kind of slowed down after his injury, and Matt LaFleur even – mentioned his injury saying you know when he came back from injury he wasn't quite himself um saying that he has Devonte style movement skills but we just got to figure out how to get him there kind of thing and you know I, I think as long as the pieces are there and as long as he's willing to learn and to grow i don't know exactly what his ceiling is but i have a feeling it's it's uh to be a a solid enough wide receiver hopefully if christian can be as good as we hope he is all we need Dobbs to be is a solid number two, and I think that he can... The floor to his ceiling, if that makes any sense, is a solid number two. Um, but but again, then what? Then what? What do we have after that? Kind of nothing. Even if you like Samori Ture, like, we're so thin. And that's if everything goes perfectly, right? Even if he can be like a quality number three or something. Like, I, you know, we got to have more. So we'll see. Hey, Ryan, it's JJ again. I have a gripe. It's not a football thing. Okay. It's a TV show thing. I hate when TV shows get canceled too early. Yeah. And, like, the worst thing is when they, like, the last season that gets made ends on a cliffhanger. Because I feel like, I feel like uh, you know, if you just don't get your funding renewed, the network doesn't pick you up, you know, it sucks. There's nothing you can do about that. But I feel like some shows, like, try and end things on a cliffhanger to make sure they come back. Yeah. And then it just leaves you, like, ah, the worst. There's a show that I really got into um, called Counterpart. It had J.K. Simmons in it playing two main characters. It's, like, himself and then an alternate reality version of himself. It was a really good show. And it got canceled after one season. Um, and that kind of sucked. And the show... <laughs> My name is Earl. I remember that show. Yep. And I really liked it. Uh, I think they had like two or three seasons. Was that it? You know, it was never a serious show. It was kind of just slapstick. 
But then they kind of got serious right toward the end and left you on a cliffhanger, and then the show got canceled. And it's been bothering me for, for years. Um, there's another show, uh, Santa Clarita Diet, where there's this married couple, and the wife gets turned into a zombie, but they're still trying to like live together. And I was really enjoying it, and then I read that it had gotten canceled after like three seasons and that it ended on a cliffhanger. So I just quit watching it in the middle of season two. I was like, I'm not signing up for that kind of heartbreak. Right. No way. So I just had to vent. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm trying to think if it was like a... No, it wasn't. It was a TV show. There's a couple, and I don't think it was ever canceled, but I, I had talked about it recently. There was a show that I was watching. Oh, it's called The Watcher. And it was like the same thing where I wouldn't even... I mean, I guess it's kind of a cliffhanger, but... It, it was just so wildly unresolved. Like, all of a sudden, there's all these questions, and uh, and it's just... It's it's one of those things where it goes back to the Netflix screen. I'm like, what are you doing, stupid? Play the next episode. And there is no next episode? Like, that doesn't even make sense. You can't end here. Like, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. What happened? You never resolved any of these things. Like, you, you got a bunch of questions, and, you know, I'm sure there's some people like, well, that's the beauty of it. That's No, 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 not beauty. Your job is to come up with a great story, right? That's from start to finish, a great concept. I don't know the concept, because I don't know what happened. I don't know who the bad guys were. I don't know what's going on. Why is the town the way that it is? How did it get like this? Who's doing it? Did that guy die and come back? Is this a supernatural thing? What is happening right now? I don't understand anything. You can't just end it like that. And yeah, I same feeling. Like, I shouldn't have started this. This was a waste of my time. Because all it did was get me invested, and then it ended. So I, I need to pay attention to that more. Because they're like, I don't know if they do this on purpose. It's like Netflix shorts or something. Like, oh, we're doing like a mini series. It's kind of like a really long movie broke up into, into a couple different episodes. I don't know, but it's stupid. If you're going to do a short, fine. But resolve it. Resolve it. There needs to be a, a, a resolution. And if you're going to do a cliffhanger, there needs to be, like, season two coming soon or something. Not just, like, the end. What did you think? I think I'm going to stab you in the neck. That's what I think. Do you know how many shows and movies are in the world? Do you know how much life I have left? Not enough to watch nearly as many things as I'd like to, especially since I watch The Office on loop. Okay? You have wasted, wasted my time. So, yeah, man, I get it. I think, I'm trying to think if Ozark was that way or not. Not really. I think that one got kind of resolved, but it, it was very abrupt. You could tell it was, because I think COVID happened, and it was supposed to be, like, done. And then they came back and did, like, one more season. And I can't exactly remember how it ended, but it just felt like they kind of just, like, tied a bow on it real quick. Like, and then everything was perfect, the end. Like, oh, okay. Could be wrong, but I did. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they did it, right? Like, listen, we don't have a lot of time or funding or anything like this. has been a couple of years now. Let's just real quick wrap a bow on this thing. So I appreciate that they did that. But even that was kind of like, yeah, I was kind of hoping for a little bit better than that. But that's all right. Good show. It ended. I get it. Still left you kind of going like, was that the end? Or oh, that's, that's it, huh? Okay. I guess I don't know why everything's fine, but I guess everything's fine now. I don't know. And then... For a split second, I thought Sopranos is that way. When that ended, I was really disappointed. And then, until it dawned on me what had happened. And then I even watched, like, a YouTube video that, like, kind of more in detail explained the ending. And I was like, that is the most brilliant ending to a series ever. 
I mean, The Sopranos has got to be, I mean, obviously I love The Office, but you want to talk about like maybe the best series ever? It's, got, it's up there, man. Like Breaking Bad is good. I really, really, really like Ozark. I'm actually going back through that for technically the third time. I didn't finish it the first time, then I went all the way back through. So I watched it once all the way through, once halfway through. And then when they resumed it, I wanted to get caught up after COVID. So I went all the way back through and then was trying to figure out what to watch. I was like, dude, I just kind of want to watch Ozark again. I'm not going to lie. So I got about halfway through again. But yeah, just just freaking A-plus stuff. Sopranos. Just get you sucked in the characters. and I mean, the, en- the ending wasn't good. It's probably not what we wanted to happen, but it was a phenomenal ending. And I think a lot of people hated it, but it was very good. Anyways, uh, we might as well end it there, I suppose. Please keep your calls coming in, 608 501 And I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>